One, two, three, yes. Wrestling. Welcome all you yes and I to the only episode 73 there will ever be of one, two, three, yes, wrestling. I'm Chris. As always, I'm joined by Corey and Ed. How we doing, guys? Well, guys, I'm back. I don't know how long it's been. I know, right? And, of course, you know, you guys are going to ask me, well, how's things been, you know, since you've last been on? And I think I can sum it up with one simple phrase. I have a problem. (laughs) Yes. I, Corey, have a problem and I've realized that my problem is surrounding me as we speak. For the listeners that don't know what I'm referring to, these guys already do because they've looked at the text messages. I have just because I have too much time on my hands. I'm I'm a teacher and it's summer right now, and well, I got to do some things to keep me busy. And I decided to go through my wrestling collection and. Basically, just inventory it. You know, business people know what inventorying is. You know, it's, you know, seeing what you got. And mm-hmm. so I started uh, creating a Google Doc. I told my wife, I said, you know, if something were to ever happen to me, I just want you to know I'm making this Google Doc of all my stuff so that you'll know what I have. And I'm even going to put what I believe is the approximate value of each item. Well, that's where I came to a discovery, and the discovery is I have a lot of stuff. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff. I don't remember what was the last number I said to you in terms of the amount of items. I know I was well over 200 items that I documented, and uh, I'm not going to reveal the exact number, but, you know, these guys know it's uh, definitely... uh, in the thousands in terms of value. And uh, when I revealed it to my wife, uh, she just very politely said, um, I'm trying to, I wish I could quote her right now. She said something along the lines of, she was like, and this is why people call me a patient person. (laughs) And, and it's just the realization that my, my wife knew that I had too much stuff and, um, I, I think she's hoping that this made me realize that, you know, maybe I got to uh, slow down, which ironically, I have slowed down over the uh, last few years. Most of the stuff that I have come from the years 2011 to 2014, which seemed to be the peak of my collecting years. I seem to have slowed down. Um, recently, I picked up some stuff, but I was about to say, haven't you been sending this? text about all the facebook options yeah, they've been and, doing and, the past and, couple months and that was the other thing you know I, I i currently have a problem where you know because of not working and not having anything to do uh, a lot of wrestling <clears throat> or wrestling like businesses are doing uh auctions online and uh, a lot of cool stuff I, I, i'm not gonna lie to you i got a hacksaw jim duggan two by four signed um let's see i'm looking around here i got the patriot a mask of the patriot signed um Wilkes. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and they had them on the show too uh, during the uh, Facebook live feed. So it's like you get like a collection of like you know them telling stories. Then they're just auctioning off cool stuff. Um, Darby Allen was on last week, uh, I believe. Uh, tonight, uh, Luke Gallows is going to be on the the auction site. For people that don't know, it's HighSpots.com. They they sell a lot of cool cool stuff. In fact, they're um, one of the main companies that do the the ring stuff. Like for example, All In, they're the ones that that um, gave Cody the 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 ring equipment that they needed, and they do uh, some of the AEW stuff as well. So, sorry for that long intro there. Wait, I thought you were gonna tell us what you were watching. I don't care about any of your <laughs> oh. crap in your basement. I don't All care right. about any of the stuff you're inventorying, your stupid wrestling collection. Guess what I have downstairs? I have action figures from the 80s. I have Ed 209 from RoboCop. I have the Clarence Bodiger figure. Now, that's some nerdy shit. Now, <laughs> what are you watching, Corey? That's what I care about. Okay, so before we got on, guys, the... The gentlemen are looking at me through the Skype call, and they could tell my eyes are looking up at my TV. And so I, I've decided that every time I record, I'm going to put on some kind of wrestling. So I'm going to make these guys guess, and I'm going to give you a big hint, and hopefully it'll help you get to the answer. So what I am watching is the first ever pay-per-view I went to as a kid. Ooh, I think I know the answer. And Ed's got a good follow-up story to this, if he can remember, because he's got a little personal story to this. I don't know if he wants to share it, but... Oh, I will. So you are watching, I believe, SummerSlam 94? That is correct, my friend. Yes! Yes. Slam 94, the first pay-per-view I ever attended in person. And so my personal story is this. I was obsessed in in many ways still am with the character of the undertaker but as a child it was at a ravenous pace especially in the mid 90s which is nestled right where 90, 1994 is of course but mm-hmm. the undertaker was in a amazing storyline where he had actually taken some time off and there was a lookalike undertaker who actually did a fantastic job uh for a brief part of the summer of 94, which led to an amazing storyline where Paul bear basically said, that's not the undertaker with the million dollar man. I have my real undertaker. And then somehow Leslie Nielsen playing Frank Drebin from the naked gun became a part of the storyline. And there was a big mystery in the summer of 94 Mm -hmm. as to number one, where did the undertaker go? But is the undertaker with million dollar man, the real undertaker, Or is there another Undertaker? Well, folks, this culminated in one of the most bizarre matches in WWE history, Undertaker versus Undertaker, which Corey got to see live. Now, the reason why it's a personal story for me is I begged my father. I begged him. I wanted to see this live because it was in Chicago. It was the first show at the new United Center, this beautiful new arena dedicated to to the Blackhawks and the Chicago Bulls. And you know what? He said he was going to take me. But unfortunately, things happened, and I didn't get a chance to go, which was heartbreaking. Years later, I find out that this schmuck was there. Uh. (laughs) 
And by the way, I was actually about five seats away from where they. So I, I'm on the entrance uh, side. So I'm I'm along the the guardrail side. I'm about five seats away from being a, uh, against the guardrail. And I remember when the fake Undertaker came out and they they come out so slow so and i got such a good look and i got terrified that he was going to stop once he got parallel to me and just snap his head and turn and look and i would have crapped my pants i'm gonna say it. i would have crapped my pants because the, the the way he looked it just was scary so and um yeah i'm it, it, it was uh it was a good show and I'm I'm sorry, Ed, that you didn't get the opportunity to attend that show. So I'm not going to try to rub it in. I'll hate you forever. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we do have this is we're approaching August 1st, which is SummerSlam month. Normally SummerSlam was the Sunday before school would go back that Monday and we'd always have to deal with that. We're going to talk a lot about SummerSlam this month as we're pushed towards the SummerSlam that might be on a boat this year. Who knows what's going on? It's going to be a very unique and memorable SummerSlam, and we're going to have a lot talking about that. Guys, I know we talked about it a little bit, but just wanted to let our listeners know we are planning on doing some format changes here because we figured that there are tons of podcasts out there that talk about recaps, NXT, and AEW, and New Japan, and all these shows. And you know what? We just don't want to recap everything anymore. So we're going to start giving you, bringing you some big news and some big stories. And we want you guys to participate in the conversation. And just we want to be able to talk about wrestling. Sit back, have a beer, talk about wrestling, and debate what could be fantasy booking. We just want to kind of talk about wrestling and not necessarily have to worry about the week-to-week, day-to-day of the current product. Because as we can all admit... It's rough during this uh, pandemic era of wrestling with no crowds and the same people. It's just kind of becoming a drag, and we don't want this show to be a drag. So we have our topics of the week. We have the things we want to talk about, and we're even going to try a little bit here shortly today. We're going to have wrestling trivia uh, hosted by Corey there, and we'll talk all about uh, wrestling of yesteryear trivia and then you can play along and see how all of this goes before we jump into all of that make sure if you have any questions comments concerns our email is still one two three yes wrestling at gmail.com so shoot us an email with any questions comments concerns thoughts anecdotes anything that you're looking to do want to share with us shoot us an email so we can do that and now as we're looking for topics we're heading into SummerSlam. let us know what your favorite SummerSlam moments are your favorite SummerSlam matches countdown of your you know favorite whatever your favorite superstars of yesteryear who you think could be superstars of tomorrow any information or anything that you'd like to hear us debate and talk about or even share your thoughts and shoot us an email 123yeswrestling at gmail.com you guys ready we're going to jump into this week's show let's do it all right i'm not ready wait now i am let's go (laughs) you're ready you're ready Um, We're going to start this week with something that kind of seemed like it could have been a bigger story, but then turned out to not really be, which was Adam Cole. He was on the Pat McAfee show, which I think is on YouTube. And during their kind of talk and while they're kind of saying that, Adam Cole talked about how he's the, the gold standard of NXT and Pat McAfee started laughing. And Cole was like, what are you what are you doing? Why are you laughing? And McAfee said, oh, you know, you only got did as much as you did because of uh 
you surrounded yourself by the undisputed era. So, you know, and I mean, you're, you're not like Shawn Michaels, you're too small and started really kind of ribbing him a little bit about his size and his stature and what he did. And Adam Cole got mad, started dropping some F-bombs and slapped a microphone and pushed a producer and it became a whole big thing and he stormed off. And the whole question was always, is this a shoot or is this a work? Was this, was this real? Did he, did he, you know, unscripted, did he fall off script? What happened? Why did he do this? What's the point? And, um, Curious of how you guys thought about that angle before we talk about what they did on NXT this week. Well, did you guys see I mean, the video? Did you guys hear about it? Yeah, I, I heard about it. Uh, I seen clips of it, and you know, I mean, if it's, it definitely got people talking. So, I mean, that's, I think, that's always a good thing, you know, when you got people talking about some kind of segment. Um, now. Obviously, whether it's it's shoot, was it a shoot or was it you know uh, planned or whatever, um, I, I you know it, it's debatable. I'm gonna give you my my thought. I, I I think he he did get a little upset. I think he did get agitated. I think he did. I, I think he legitimately snapped, and. I look at it, and I know Chris is going to uh, move forward with it, but I, I think WWE looked at it as an opportunity, and let let's roll with it, you know, in, instead of uh, just simply, oh, let's punish him for not being professional on a show. I think you know, honestly, when I saw it, the first person I thought of was Jim Cornette, <laughs> because. Uh, Jim Cornette has this thing about, you know, really just believing in kayfabe and really trying to, you know, not to let it go to the wayside in wrestling. And I, I actually, you know, I don't agree with a lot of things about Jim Cornette, but this is something I do agree with. I absolutely believe it's possible to keep kayfabe alive in the Internet era. And this is a good example of it. This was this was raw. This seemed very real. It was reported on on, you know, the news and like, you know, sports websites and like, you know. For me, as a longtime wrestling fan, did I think it was a work? Yes. But when you watch it, your emotions make you feel like this could be absolutely real. And that's all I've ever wanted when we're talking about wrestling. Like that's for me as a wrestling fan, that's what keeps me invested is when, wait a minute, you know, wait a minute, what? And like it it caught my attention, just like it caught a lot of people's attention. And, you know, overall, to Corey's point, though, I think that was real emotion. Absolutely. Like, this is a guy who, let's face it, has been told since he really, like, became real popular that he has all the tools, all the talent to be the next Shawn Michaels. And they're even throwing, oh, yeah, but you're too small, just like they did at Shawn Michaels back in the day, too. Mm-hmm. So it's literally like trying to put the guy in the same box as him. So as a performer at, at his caliber, I'm sure it pisses him off whether he's being in a work shoot or not when someone says it. So that's going to be real emotion. And that's why I think it came off the way it did. And I'm just going to add, and then I'll let Chris, I'll I'll let you give your thoughts. Reason why I'm thinking it was more a shoot is because I'm looking at the, the one guy's laughter part, you know, to, to me, laughter is a it's a it's a it's a natural reaction. Uh, a lot of times you can't you can't hold it uh, when it happens. Um, and I, I just don't see if 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 it was planned, 
if, if it was a work, I just don't see how the, the laughter, I don't know. I, I guess I would have come up with something better than Adam Cole reacting to laughter <laughs> as mm-hmm. the reason for him flipping out. So I don't know. Corey, are you wearing a SummerSlam 94 t-shirt? I am actually. Wow. <laughs> that is a funny coincidence. I re- actually, so right now, for the people listening at home, all three of us are wearing vintage WWE-style shirts. Corey is wearing a SummerSlam 94 vintage tee. Chris is wearing a Nature Boy Ric Flair vintage tee. And I'm wearing a Bobby the Brain Heenan vintage tee. In your camera, I can only see like the, the top top of the, yeah. uh, the letters. Yeah. I thought you were wearing a Chick-fil-A shirt. <laughs> Well, yeah, I no. would gladly wear a Chick-fil-A shirt if they would open up on Sunday when I want them the most. When you want them the most. Uh, so back to, circling back to this Adam Cole thing, and then we're going to move on here. But I think it, it it's hard to tell what it is. Like I said, I watched it, but I watched it after the news broke of what it was. So I was watching it with a different set of eyes. If I would have watched, if I would have been just a regular viewer of the Pat McAfee show and was just watching that episode and then all of a sudden it made the turn, I probably would have been caught more off guard and been like, oh, my God, what was that? And then it would have took a minute before I realized what was happening. Watching it, knowing that he was going to snap, I was looking for all of those cues. I was looking for all those things. And to me, it looked really scripted Um, just because Pat McAfee was just very kind of just like, oh, and he just seemed like he was reading a script to me, but I was looking for that, you know, where if I was just an actual viewer just watching the show, I probably could, I can understand how some people are, that was real, because if you were just watching that and all of a sudden it just took that shift, and it was like 20 minutes in, it wasn't like it just happened, it was, they were having a conversation for 15, I mean, I fast forwarded through the episode like 20 minutes before I even got to that part. So, I mean, it was a whole thing where they went the whole show. So if you were just watching or listening and not really paying attention, I could see where you'd be like, whoa, what just happened? And you could get sucked into that, which is the best best wrestling angle when you can just get sucked into it and you just you think it's real. Well, that's how I I saw it. it I think it was like a Bleacher Report. On, and I was on my break and it was like Pat McAfee and Adam Cole get in a heated debate. And I was like, OK, that seems strange. So yeah. I watched it on my break and was like, oh, my God, like. You know, and, and after I was done watching it, like I looked back and I was like, okay, well, we got, you know, and then my analytical, you know, wrestling, you know, educated wrestling fans, smart BS took mm-hmm. over. And I was like, oh, okay. But in the moment of watching it, I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. And, you know, I enjoy Pat McAfee. I know the guy's a wrestling fan. I know he's been a wrestling fan for a long time. So, I mean, it definitely makes sense that this could have been. Um, you know, a nice little idea they had together, but I thought the execution was cool. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and it was and it was an off I mean, I know Pat McAfee's been attached to WWE and NXT for quite a while now, but it was still it was off of WWE's branding. It wasn't didn't happen on the bump or some one of their other shows that happened on an off brand show that's like going on Sports Center and you know, or kinda like back in the day with WCW where they took over the Tonight Show. And you're like, what is happening right now? You know, and non-wrestling fans, you know, us having our smart brains ruins everything. But it was interesting. Now, this week on NXT, they talked about it. They showed it on the show. They invited Pat McAfee to come down to Florida and come to NXT. At that point, you're just like, all right, this whole thing was set up for whatever. Now, who is this set up to benefit? You know, they're obviously, they set up an angle. 
Now, is this a thing for Pat McAfee to come in and be a wrestler? Is this a, is this going to help Adam Cole get to a next level if he beats up a host? Like, what is what would be the ultimate point outside of getting the attention they did got? But now that they want to expand this and keep this story going, who does it benefit, or what's the point at this point? Well, it's it's mainly going to benefit WWE because this is a viewership thing. Because obviously we're we're hitting record low viewers. It's hard to try to get some of these viewers back. Doing this kind of angle on a non-WWE show uh, means that there's a possibility that there are viewers that aren't wrestling fans watching that. And it can draw them. So even if they just do a one-off angle with it, uh, at the end of the day, it's the, the the sole purpose is to let's attract the non wrestling viewer or the the casual viewer that we've lost. Um, that's the goal. Absolutely. I mean, we got to try to get people to watch the product any way possible now. So you're going to see some wild wild shit happening. I think, especially in the next couple weeks, months. Especially, I mean, let's face it. I don't think we're going to be seeing arena shows back to full capacity probably until there's some type of vaccine for this thing available or it's readily available. I I, I mean, so it's going to be a while. So WWE can't just sit around putting on empty arena shows and not making money and not getting, uh, not getting ratings. TV will just say, Hey, we'll find something else. And Mm -hmm. so I think to Corey's point, yeah, that's, that's exactly what this is about. It's trying to get viewers back. It's trying to get eyes on the product and you know, does it benefit Adam Cole if if they execute on it the right way? It could, um, you know, if they, if they don't execute on it the right way, it doesn't be- benefit anybody. So, and but Pat McAfee's got some hell of a charisma. I like him. I think that it could be a lot of fun if they do it the right way. And time will tell, and we'll see where this storyline or where this is going. Uh, also, this week, John Moxley came out. We're going to do a shift here. And uh, he was quoted as saying, when you want to talk about pressures, he said, the real pressure is having a script handed to you from a delusional 74-year-old man. And he talked about just uh, fear and, you know, how him and the Shield were handed a two-page script. And then when he tried to talk to the writers and said, hey, you know, I want to add this, change this, said, no, no, that's your script. Because even in NXT and developmental, they never had scripted promos like they're doing like they do on the main roster. So all of a sudden he's like, Oh God, what did we do? What's happening? What is this? And that was what he dealt with, which we now we've heard him talk about this since he left WWE. He did that big podcast, uh, Jericho podcast where he talked about, you know, the scripted promos and how, how am I supposed to make this look good without looking like an idiot. Um, But now we're a year out of Moxley leaving WWE. He's been on his own. He's been doing his own thing. I know he's talking about having creative control and you can tell that he's happier and you can tell that he feels free. But now from a fan perspective, I'm curious how do you guys think he's, how's his run been without having those scripts? Like Moxley is the AEW champion right now. He is, you know, fun to watch in the ring, but I mean, his promos and his creativity, are you guys seeing anything? Do you think he was more over when he was in WWE with those scripted promos as Dean Ambrose or now as John Moxley? Where do you guys think he falls a year later looking back at the Mox? Well, this is for me, this is hard to answer. And it's strictly because, um, well, 
And I have the reason hard-hitting I'm, questions now. Well, this is the no, new no, format. I, and no, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and we can discuss and debate. Well, my, part of my problem with evaluating one year later is um, right now with this this COVID, no fans, and and he's champion. He was champ. He became champion in February. I was at the show, and you know, and then a month later, everything gets locked down. So it's hard to say that you know when you want to measure success. What? How do we measure it for him right now? Uh, do I think that he's having more fun? Absolutely. Uh, do I see a difference in this character versus the WWE version? Absolutely. Um. Do do I think that wrestlers have a better chance at being more successful, not having these heavily scripted, you know, already written promos? Absolutely. So if we're going to measure maybe some well, of those you're asking pieces, yourselves all the easy questions, man. You're asking yourself the easy questions to get make yourself look good. <laughs> how, how do you feel? How do you feel Moxley? Uh, you're looking at Moxley's character versus Dean Ambrose a year ago. How do you feel? Are you happy with where Moxley is as the AEW champ? It's, but my problem is, is that this AEW championship run has been soured by no fans. Mm-hmm. So, and we, we can bring up something else that I, I don't know if it's on your your list, but it's like you know, it's like you know when you look at the debuts mm-hmm. of of talent showing up in AEW and, and, and some people are saying, well, some of these debuts are kind of bleh. Well, what, what do you expect? I mean, this is the cards they have here. They, you, you know, you can't have a, you know, unfortunately Matt Hardy's debut is not gonna, is, is not awesome because you don't have a crowd. And so it's, so I'm going back to when I'm trying to evaluate Moxley one year later, am I saying, is he more successful? I, I mean, yes, but I think the measuring stick is, is gotta be when we have fans in attendance. So I think it's just premature to even call it at this point. I would say the biggest thing is that, um, I notice about Dean Ambrose versus John Moxley is, you know, they, the, the man, you know, he did a great job with both characters for sure. Now, would I have taken John Moxley instead of Dean Ambrose in WWE based on what I'm seeing so far? Yes, because this is who he is. This is who he wanted to be. And he was never quite allowed to be that. Now, I give them I give him credit because who he was in WWE was probably the closest he could have got to the what we get with John Moxley now. You know, he, you know, but even he said, you know, he wasn't the hugest fan of wearing the jeans and all that. Um, You know, I get that. But at the same time, it's like he was able to do some incredible stuff as Dean Ambrose in his career. I mean, former WWE champion. I mean, he climbed the mountain. But like John Moxley, like, is a great that's who he is. And that's I think is a great character. Um, To Corey's point, it's like I can't decipher if it is over, though. Because there's no crowd to go crazy for this guy. And who knows the impact that has on him? Like, mm-hmm. th- these wrestlers, I mean, I'm sure they'll talk about it years from now. But I give all these guys so much credit because they're feeding off of assumed energy. And that's got to be so hard for people that have were used to going out in front of thousands of people 
every single night and then suddenly can't do that anymore, but still have to maintain the same type of job. So, but yeah, I mean, the other thing though, I do want to touch on and I'm getting a little sick of it and it may go off in a tangent, but that's what this is all about, right? Yeah. As much as I love AEW, I am getting a little annoyed with everybody coming in being petty. You know, it's like, it's gotten to the point where it's like, okay, we get it. You were pissed. You didn't, you know, you weren't at the top of the card. You, you, you didn't have character creation. You didn't have this or you didn't have that. Okay. So what, why don't you just come into your new federation and just fresh start? And I give Matt Cardona a lot of credit. I know we'll talk about him because he didn't, he hasn't been running around bad mouth in the WWE. He's actually been very thankful for his time there. So, you know, I get it. Moxley, you know, it, I, I'm all for drama too. And I, you know, he had a lot to say on the Jericho podcast as every other person has had to say on the Jericho podcast when they jump ship, but like, okay, we get it. You didn't like working for Vince. You didn't like, you know, having your character determined for you, but guess what? He runs the show. It's his money. It's his show. So, I mean, you can be, you can be pissy about it all you want. It's the same reason I'm over talking about CM Punk. I loved him. He was a great wrestler. But if you're going to just be petty about everything, like, I like, why? Like, stop it. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you guys that did you have complete, were you going straight off that? Go story? ahead, Chris. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I was going to say, I agree with where you guys are coming from with the um, empty arenas, the no crowds, and how that's going. See, I can, I can look at it, you know, and that obviously could change the way that different angles come across or do. The way I'm looking at it, too, with Moxley is I was really – I like Dean Ambrose. I liked everything that he did, and I always felt that he – okay, he can say all these, these promos were scripted. I got to read off a script for all these pages, but his promos always came off as being organic. He always seemed like he was saying stuff that he wasn't trying, supposed to say. He always seemed like he was saying things that they didn't want him to say. So if that was all scripted, then those were good promos because he always cut damn good promos in that. Now when he comes and he's off script, I've only heard him say the same couple things. Like his promos are boring to me. He's, he, he's just kind of saying the same thing. He, he just, you know, he did one yesterday where it was just on AEW where it was just calling people sacks of shit or whatever. And it was just, I'm going to drop a bunch of swear words and I'm going to be tough and, and it just became generic wrestler a, you know, that you just pick in a video game where you pick random and it just dresses a character and they talk trash. And that's all I really see. Now I don't like, I'm not a hardcore wrestling death match fan so I don't, that's not a thing that turns me on. It's just not, I, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. In high school, I probably, yeah, blood. But now I just watch them and say, oh, and it's not my thing. So I've watched his New Japan matches. I've enjoyed any, everything Moxley did in New Japan. I enjoyed all of those matches. But when it comes to AEW, it's just kind of like bland to me. And then even the matches that he's had, I was super pumped for Brian Cage and John Moxley a couple of weeks ago. Like I was dying to see that match. I was ready to watch it over the Great American Bash, and I was ready to watch it over uh, Keith Lee and Adam Cole, which ended up having a phenomenal match. And if it didn't get delayed that week, that's probably the one I would have watched: is Brian Cage versus John Moxley. That match was terrible. That was such an awkward match, and both of them are way better wrestlers than that match came across, but I hated that match. And just looking at just Moxley, it's like when I see him on the TV, I don't feel like I need to watch it. Where Dean Ambrose, I always loved his segments on because I wanted to see what he was going to say or what he was going to do. And I just, it's hard for me to watch him now just kind of cut the same, just generic wrestler promos and then 
brag about all having all the creative freedom in the world. And I'm like, well then do more. But that that's me. But that's me. This is where then you finally get to see the pros of scripted. Yeah. You know, um, uh, an interesting thing that happened on AEW, um, uh, Wednesday this week, uh, was, uh, and I, who was with Brian Cage? Cause he's not, now it's Taz, Brian Cage, and there's this other guy. What's his name? Okay, so you guys don't he was know. The NWA, he was an NWA TV champ. Uh, okay. Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks. Okay. I so didn't Ricky, know who that was. Ricky Star, uh, Starks, is that his name? Okay, so I'm not trying to uh, blast his name or anything. Um, so he was doing a promo, you know, Brian Cage is with him, and he's going on and on. And then all of a sudden, Brian Cage's music blasts on. Mm-hmm. And it like, and and he got stuttered by it. he 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 got affected by it and then he quickly tried to close off the promo mm-hmm. and i'm like and my first thoughts was this is why you need scripts because if if talent is given just this unlimited creativity to say whatever they want okay now you're going to run into a problem when it comes to the time crunch element and AEW did that actually two or three times on their show this Wednesday where I could tell they ran things too long or somebody ran something too long and then they had to hurry up. Oh, the, the whole main event, the whole main event this week was that what Jr. was saying, hurry up guys, hurry up guys. Like Jr. was making comments about them getting in their spots faster because they were running out of TV time. Yeah. So the, that's going to be their bit. And, and, and they did it at all in, you know, where they barely uh, cut it off in time. Um, so, I think, and this is my prediction, you know, Vince at one point gave a lot of creativity back in the day with his talent. And then it it just evolved over time as it should. And then you got to start, you know, micromanaging. Now, some people are going to say micromanaging is bad. I don't necessarily think micromanaging is bad. I think you just got to put limitations. As you got to know who can do it. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, the, these promos, I, and I think we're going to see it. I, I really do. Um, cause I, I, I agree with you, Chris, and usually I, I like to debate you, but the John Moxley promos have been very repetitive and there's nothing that feels new coming out of his mouth. That makes me want to listen. Whereas on the flip side, MJF cuts a, a presidential like promo mm-hmm. But he's the, but the funny thing is he's bringing up the same thing he's been bringing up for months. He just came up with a different way of yeah. addressing it, which is why am I not getting the opportunity to get a title shot? Yeah, I so, will say though, to be fair, with to turn to, to Mox, just to kind of bring it back to why I, you know I, I think that I notice a different energy when there are people in the arena with John Moxley. So he might actually be struggling to find that creative voice because he has nothing to feed off of. And, and I, I can think, imagine him. And I think you would probably talk to a lot of wrestlers right now that probably may be going through the same thing. That's all I'm going to say. Now um, I get where you guys are coming from, but I just, I still would, you know, as much as uh, I get where we're coming from with the script for the scripted and like, you know, being able to control the message, which I think is the issue, right? Like, as Dean Ambrose, they were able to control the message, and so his delivery carried that message through. I definitely think he could do, still do that. 
but as Mox, I think he has kind of found who he really is. And, you know, I hope that we get a chance to see it's, you know, just flourish the way it was intended to do because they didn't put the title on him for no reason. They they definitely want to build around this guy. Oh, yeah. And they can. But, he has the talent for it. And, and I'm going to go one step further then. So if, if if we're in this, you know, this no fans scenario, then I'm just going to flat out say it. John Moxley doesn't need to be champ right now. Right. It's not the right timing. Yeah. And I'm I'm going to go one step further. The guy that needs to be champ right now, MJF. Yeah. MJF could get us through I this COVID period. I agree. Because, because the, the, the thing with MJF is MJF has got just such a sharp delivery. And with there not being a crowd, we can at least hear him. His flow won't be interrupted as much, so then he can just really focus on just really letting us know what this character's all about, which, I mean, he's made it very clear. Um, so I'm going to say it now after having this little debate with you guys. I, I think Moxley needs to lose it. Well, I agree with you, because if you think about it, what's the one way to get people to watch TV? You put a heel on television that's unstoppable, and you tune in because you want to see the guy get ripped off his pedestal. They're starting to figure that out on Raw. Raw actually was a very solid show this week and last week, for that matter, because they're putting Seth Rollins where he needs to be. They're making me hate him, really hate him. They're making me hate Buddy Murphy. And you know what? Guess what? I watched. And I think every wrestling show needs to take some notes on, like, hey, we need to not only establish new stars, we need to establish some good villains right now because everybody loves watching a good villain because they're waiting for when he finally gets beat. Yeah, and these shows don't have a lot of good villains. So I think Cody is on his way to becoming a heel. He's been doing a lot of in this TNT Championship Open Challenge. Um, my disappointment was, yeah, I don't know why Matt Cardona wasn't one of the surprise. The last two weeks they've had surprise, like, out-of-contract people and why you don't have Matt Cardona come out and have an awesome match with Cody and have Cody cheat to win and beat his friend, and then you get automatic heat on Cody and you get the sympathy on Matt Cardona and it gets him a big thing. Instead, he just runs out and beats up a couple random masks, dark order people. Will you calm down? We might get to all that. You're, you're, you're jumping the gun with Matt Cardona thinking they already blew, blew the load and ruined everything. Like they could literally do all that. Sean Spears. I don't want him to be another Sean Spears. He's going to mark my words. 10 years from now, we're going to be talking about the Matt Cardona era. Like this guy's going to make AEW really a lot of money in my opinion here's what you you guys are missing the big picture on this the the reason i mean the reason why cody can't go heel is right now he he is the the face of this company and and this company is still new you got to keep him ha- as as a face right now really set the foundation of what this company is and its identity and cody is that identity period i don't I care. disagree I, kenny omega should have been that identity Kenny no. Omega should have been that identity. There's they, they, guess what? They blew it. No, then Kenny blew it because Kenny has, has say he, two. Oh, he and did. the way he's delivered he his blown. character and the way he's done his matches. And I'm sorry. That's come on. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you get the, there's two gentlemen that know what they're doing in this business. Cody went down one road. Kenny went down the other. You're I'm sorry me that Cody Kenny... Rhodes couldn't be a dominant heel right now because every time I see him, guess what I see? I see Lex Luthor. Like, that's who I see. Like, this is like a, a he, he comes in with the suit. 
He's got the girl on his arm. Like, this guy should be the top heel. That's what he was doing prior to AEW. I agree. He did it very well. But then when you go to and, and you establish this brand new company and you got to establish the foundation, the identity and what this company is going to be, Cody is it. I know everybody thought that it was it was going to be the Kenny Omega show, but and whether it was Kenny's decision or whatnot, but bottom line is Kenny is not presented this way. I don't take Kenny Omega seriously. The, the way problem that with Kenny Omega him. is that Kenny Omega never had a character. He was just Kenny Omega. And now he's coming to American TV where he's seen every week and it, he has to do more than just put on an awesome match because he goes in, out there every, every time and he puts together a hell of a match, you know, regardless of who he's fighting. The problem is, is he has no character. He can't cut a promo and he just says a couple things and then wants to fight. And uh, that's not enough for an American and, audience. Right. And look at the irony. His tag team partner. Hangman Page. When those two first got together, I really thought, okay, you know, I really thought Kenny Omega was going to come out out of this as as the bigger star, but I'm going to disagree with my statement from when I first thought. I think Hangman Page is coming out of this tag team, the bigger star, and he's going to get a a much more solid uh, push and direction moving forward. I agree with that. I agree. I agree. Well, we're talking about bigger stars and who's going to be a bigger star. Vince McMahon apparently has decided he finally wants to make new stars, but is he serious this time? Um, With ratings, as we talked about earlier, ratings are at an all-time low. We're ultimately figuring out who the hardcore wrestling fan is. It seems like there's about 1.5 million of us, because that's who's tuning out for Raw. Um, When you add up AEW and NXT's ratings, because you know they share an audience, you get about 1.5 million people. So there's about 1.5 million hardcore wrestling fans, and that's about the only people who are sticking around for this era of wrestling. So we have to do something because when crowds come back or whenever, you know, the idea is to bring these people back to the show because Raw was every week over 2 million people. You need to get that back. And if WWE can't get that back with or without crowds, then they're going to be in trouble because they're still just going down. And pretty much we're going to get, all of a sudden end up down with, uh, you know, one million people. And that's going to be it. And if you don't have bigger crowds than that or bigger, uh, you know, audiences, you know, you have to do something. But when I was I was on my Xbox and I saw World, World of Tanks WWE promotion. And they had a big picture of Stone Cold Steve Austin, Becky Lynch, and Sergeant Slaughter. And I thought to myself, huh, none of those people are wrestling right now. <laughs> and then you think about the ice cream bars. It was Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, Macho Man, John Cena. None of them are wrestling right now. One of them's and dead. One of them's dead. So how... I mean, WWE has been living for the past 20 years on their past stars. They want to pop a rating on USA. Hey, let's do a Raw reunion. They want to pop a rating. Oh, Stone Cold's going to be on this show. You know, Ric Flair is still wandering out on these shows in the middle of a freaking pandemic. Why he's out there, I have no idea. And now his wife has COVID and he there's rumors that he had it. And that's a whole big thing. But Vince wants to make new stars which why has he been reluctant of that in the past 20 years? And then why didn't Randy Orton came out on raw this week and he cut a promo talking about how his resume is so much more impressive than the rock and stone cold. Well, how come the rock and stone cold are still big stars and Randy Orton isn't 
Why hasn't Randy Orton been able to cross over into the mainstream and be a face of the company? Outside of now, John Cena was the last one and really seemed like because they couldn't push Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch was getting closer to that crossover appeal. But why hasn't WWE been able to make new stars? Who do you think can be a big star for them? Or do you think that they'll never be able to do something at that level again? Well, I'm going to start with one simple thing that WWE has to decide. Are they willing to gamble and create a a superstar that is bigger than WWE? I'm going to say the answer is no. I think what we have seen, and the reason why we've this is the way it is, is when you look at The Rock, and you, you look at uh, Hogan, you look at you know some of these really big names that were once in WWE. Eventually they go off and, and they go on to bigger, bigger things. And, and WWE is kind of left hanging as a result. I mean, look at the rock. I mean, the rock, we really only got like four, what, four years uh, out of the rock, which when you think about it is really not a long time. And that's such a crime when you think about it in regards to just how good the rock was. Mm-hmm. I think since then they decided that they needed to keep their superstars, you know, that there had to be a ceiling to how big they could get. And they had to make sure that ceiling would never get bigger than what WWE is. Um, it's interesting that you bring up Randy Orton because I think Randy Orton brings up a lot of good points as to his resume versus a stone cold and a rock. And um, I'm going to be honest with you. I I think Randy's biggest issue is it's, it's the way he presents himself care, like his personality and character. He's not a people person. You got to be a people person. If you're going to like get to a superstar level, I don't think he is. I mean, but, I mean he I went and did the movies. He was he did several movies. He they you know that came out. He was in the Condemned Two and like Twelve Round Three or whatever. You know, I mean, like he tried. He you know he has charisma. He looks good. He but, you know. But Chris, would you say okay? You've done some independent movies. I mean, if you actually critiqued it, wouldn't you say that Randy's really just one dimensional as an actor? Like, there's not much. You don't I mean, get... as an actor, yeah. But I mean, so is. John so Cena, a, look at his yeah, well, that, movie. Speaking of that, so like, here's the thing about Orton, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Orton, in all rights, should have been the face of this company. And if there was no John Cena, there would have been Randy Orton being the face of that company for almost 15 years. But there was. But here's the thing I will say. I don't think you can celebrate John Cena's legacy without celebrating Randy Orton's legacy. When we look back on that last 10 to 15 years when John Cena was on top of the industry, Randy Orton was right there being his heel. They needed each other as much as we got annoyed by the matches they had and, you know, as much as they interacted, they really were like a yin and yang of that that particular era. Orton has proven himself to be a much better heel, which is why. He's rightfully so going to be challenging Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam, which I am super geeked about. I think that's going to be an incredible match. But, like, that's who he is, and John Cena was the goody two-shoes. Now, if you take one of them away, who knows what would have happened? Either one. 
because I do think they really needed each other in a lot of ways as they developed the, during that era. And, you know, back to the, the question about new stars, you know, I kind of agree with Corey too. Like WWE is not something to graduate from. And that's exactly what a lot of these top stars in the eighties and the nineties did is they made a ton of money with Vince and then they went off to Hollywood. That's not what Vince wants. The only person who didn't do that to him was Cena and, you know, Cena eventually did it, but Cena probably could have done it a lot earlier than he did, but he didn't, he stayed. And I think the Vince at this point wants to make new stars, but new stars that know they're within their stars in WWE, but that may not be enough that to your point that I think you're going to say, Chris, that may not be enough anymore. Well, if you notice, once they stopped making those big stars that left, that would leave and go to Hollywood, then people stop watching wrestling. You right. know, the ratings have been going down for the past 10 years. I mean, yeah, in the 90s and stuff, they were at the, you know, we were sitting at 9, 10, 11 million people watching wrestling, and it's been on a downward trajectory ever since. And now, I mean, this whole trend before we even hit a pandemic, yeah, we're hitting lows now because of no audiences and the shows are kind of bland. But we were still on this downward trajectory. We're just, it's kind of like movie theaters and everything else. We're just going to get there a lot faster. You know, digital distribution and everything is now going to, you know, going to hit us a lot faster because now people are like, Hey, I can just buy this shit online. But coming back around, what's the worst thing about making a star, having them for four or five years that gets you that much more attention. You want to get the attention. So those four years while you haven't the next rock and someone who is getting cross promotion you know say becky lynch was really going to hit that level and she was going to get all this attention from hollywood she's gonna be able to make a movie she was gonna become mainstream so then when random people you show a picture of becky lynch they go oh that's becky lynch from the wwe and then yeah she leaves in four years but how many viewers did you have coming in to watch becky lynch kick some ass and then you hopefully keep them around for the next one so it's a cycle so they've stalled this cycle out and now they haven't had anybody come in to bring in people cena was the last one and now we're a handful of years since cena and viewership has just tanked but i'm gonna go i'm gonna I'm throw a question debate here what is the formula today in 2020 for the megastar because you had a formula in the 80s you know in terms of what made a megastar in the 80s that evolved when we got to the Attitude Era. The formula for making the megastar is not the same way that you made Hogan. And then the John Cena, you know, formula that was made in in o two or o four somewhere around there. So, what's the formula today then? Because the bottom line is, it obviously has to evolve and change. So maybe that's well, what we got to figure out first: is what is the formula for today's audience? Right. Well, we. We talked about we talked about it, and it's not even for the audience. We talked about it in one of our earlier questions when we were talking about Moxley and scripted promos. The main problem is the change in WWE is WWE doesn't let anybody. So, like, even when you talk about Cena, he was under the pressure and he was going to be fired because he wasn't doing anything. And he had to step up and he created the rapper gimmick. He created – he went for himself and started shooting at this, cutting those promos and started being edgy and started being the rapper. And he created all that on his own. No one was given – he wasn't given that. They were going to fire him because he was bland. 
So he made all those promos and he did that. When you go back and talk about Stone Cold, it was, oh, I did this, I did that, I did this, The Rock, I did this, I did this, I did this. And then they tried to bring in Roman Reigns and they said, okay, you're going to go do this. He, he didn't create anything for that character. He didn't create any catchphrases. He gave, Roman Reigns gave any, nobody anything to want to get behind him outside of the fact that he looked cool. He didn't have anything. They had, they had just cheesy, the big dog in my yard. And they just had little cheesy catchphrases that they ran through a PR machine, you know, and without being able to let the talent go out there, you don't know who has that charisma, that it factor, who has, who can reach that level as long as they're telling them what to do and no one's allowed to take those chances anymore. I mean, that's really what WWE needs to be willing to let these guys go out there and go into business for themselves a little bit. But at the same time, I think Roman Reigns, and I know he gets a, a lot of heat from fans, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's just to be honest with you. Um, I think Roman Reigns is is the closest thing to the next big star, and it's because he kind of, in my opinion, is kind of taking pieces of the John Cena formula. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he's out there in public. He does you know charity stuff. He does the Make a Wish. He uh i i've read that you know he's kind of like that locker room leader type role you know uh kind of similar to what you know undertaker has been and so i mean if there's anybody that i is at least close to it it would be him but unfortunately our the the fans and i'm just gonna say it because i i i, I don't think it's really debatable the reason why people crapped on Roman Reigns is because at that t- at the time they they gave him a push, people were wanting Daniel Bryan. And, and little that- did they and little did they know Daniel Bryan pr- honestly didn't need the spot. He health wise and all the others, he didn't need or probably want to be back in that spot given the, the health issues. But that's what I was going to say. The people who've gotten the closest in the past few years were like Daniel Bryan and Becky Lynch. And they were both people that pushed against what WWE was giving them. The fans wanted those people. And that was the same thing that happened with Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the day. And you know what? That's their fault. That is their fault because they've had authority figures as the bad guys in WWE for the last 25 years. And so in the age of everybody having an opinion in the Internet era, Everybody has an opinion. And guess what? If you can make yourself seem like, oh, you're the anti-establishment character, that's mm-hmm. pretty much like how you get over now. And I that's think that's Stone why Cold got over. that's how Stone Cold got over. That's how Daniel Bryan got over. That's how CM Punk got over. So if you get rid of the establishment for a few years, like if we just stop having authority figures on TV, which, which, we, don't. which we don't, which is good, um, you might be able to actually create superstars again without it having to be this why well, like him because he represents uh, going against you know the man and he's against the establishment like like that story has been told now so you almost have to do something different especially when there's no crowds like wrestling has to figure out something that hasn't been done before that will get people to look past the fact that there's not a pe- there's not people in the audience and if they once they figure that out we've got something but we just haven't figured that out yet Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still trying to do the same stuff and do that. But, you know, you got to I mean, out of out of the people who we're seeing now on TV and this is across any other promotion, like, I mean, just AEW, whatever else you're looking for. Is there anybody that you see that has the potential to be the next 
big star. I mean, say, say you take off the reins. There's no scripts. There's no, 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 no storyline. Just, I mean, do you see anybody currently that has the charisma to really be able to, to cross into the mainstream? I, right now, I, I think Cody is for AEW. For AEW, I would say probably Cody. Um, for for WWE, it's it's going to sound out of left field, but it's for some reason he was the first person that came to my head. Uh, Hector, um, Hector Garza, Angel Garza, Angel Garza. Well, I think his real name is Hector, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, okay. But Angel Garza, like the guy has it. He mm-hmm. has it. Like it's there. Like charisma, good on the mic, amazing in the ring, and I feel like he kind of just organically jumps out at the screen and. Like, especially if they're looking for, like, that next, like, Latin superstar like Eddie Guerrero, I think it's him. I really believe it's him. And I'm going with Keith Lee. Nice. Okay. I think Keith Lee could easily. NXT does have some people that you're seeing. Now, the problem is, is what what happens to them when they come up? You know, like, Matt Riddle just came up. Matt Riddle has some charisma. He's obviously been in the mainstream. He's obviously have has crossover appeal. But now he's just sitting here on SmackDown fighting Baron Corbin, and I don't care about any of that. You know, where in NXT, like I said, you kind of lose that. They have so much freedom down there, and then when they move up to the main roster, you're kind of just like, and that's all stuff that Vince needs to figure out if he really wants to make new stars. Now, apparently, they just pulled Aleister Black off TV because he's about to go through a character change because Vince really likes him but doesn't think he has limited appeal with his character. So now they want to change who Aleister Black is. Is that good or bad? Is Aleister Black more than that character? <laughs> I'm getting head nods and shrugged shoulders because nobody knows. I've never seen Aleister Black I do don't. anything but that character. No, I, I and I get what you're saying. It really it does make sense, and it's but they're 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 in a tough spot, man, because they're also a publicly traded company too. Mm-hmm. Which might be the the smartest thing they might be, end up having to do is not be a publicly traded company anymore because then it would give them some creative feel, creative well, leisure to just do what needs to be done in order to get eyes back on the show. Because right well, now they've got to they've got to do what it is to play nice with the investors. So well, and that was what killed WCW, right? And that's what ultimately has been killing WWE. Is you know they only won the attitude in the Monday Night Wars because they were able to do whatever they wanted and had to do, and they didn't have to answer to nobody for anything that they put out on their TV. So that's why we got some of the crazy shit that we got over that period of time up until you know they went publicly traded and they won the war and then they toned it down. So now it's you know every once in a while we'll see moments of it, you know, like them ripping out Rey Mysterio's eyeball out, but <laughs> you're just like, what is this and what's going on? But you know, that was what killed WCW was having all those people to talk to. And now you have, you know, the same kind of thing going in WWE. So it's kind of a weird double-edged sword there. You want the money that that provides, but you don't want the yes men. I'll also say that Matt Cardona is going to be the next macho man, Randy Savage. Mark my words. He is the, he is going to be the man of AEW and this is digital. So it'll last forever. So years from now, people will be able to listen to Ed, the prognosticator, the soothsayer that predicted that Matt Cardona, former Zack Ryder, is who lifts wrestling out of its pandemic. That's who. Well, you know it. The only way you do that with him is he has to go heel, and he goes heel by turning on Cody. 
I think it's the opposite. I think Cody turns heel on him, and Matt Cardona is your master babyface. I'm telling you, Cody is not turning Mm -hmm. heel for... Master babyface? Thought you were going a different way with that. Oh, I could, but I think this is a, 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 a friendly show, positive show. We are not trying to scare people away, <laughs> trying to encourage them to listen. Corey will not be allowed to listen anymore on the show. <laughs> yeah, they scared everybody <sighs> away with the tights. Well, that was going to be that. Now, Corey is going to lead us here because he dug out while he's going through his wrestling man cave and he's cataloging all of his stuff he found an old wwe trivia game nice. and we're gonna we're gonna go through and Corey's gonna read us a handful of questions we'll see i don't know how many he has in mind we didn't really talk too much more about that but we'll do we'll do a few trivia questions feel free to answer and definitely <laughs> make sure if you do have any trivia questions or anything that you want to hear you shoot us that email at one two three yes wrestling at gmail.com and i can ask the guys the questions and we can try to see who we can stump and we'll see test our wrestling knowledge Corey, take it away all right guys so this is our first ever wrestling trivia segment and uh just to let you know i am going off of a wrestling trivia game that i have from it is dated from 2013 but the great news is it has uh classic you know era wrestling questions we have attitude era wrestling questions and then we have what they would call modern era but understand this game was made in 2013 so it isn't quite as modern as we would think so uh is there a preference for a category i got attitude era classic era and then we'll just say 2013 and around that time period era I don't care. I know, but I know from all those eras because I'm a but wrestling the, nerd. Since we're all wearing our vintage T-shirts, go classic. Classic, it is. Okay, so we're gonna go classic. Uh, how about we go with an easy one to help you guys build your confidence in this trivia? I always hate that. What? I'm like, what if I don't know it? <laughs> what loud wait, mouth? Wait, wait. Do we do we buzz in? Like, how do we? How do we do this? Do we buzz oh, in? God. Are we really establishing rules here? Yes. Ah, oh, Jesus. Do Christ. I go buzz? Do I go bees? Okay, so I'm going to give this one to Ed. Okay, fine. Oh, fine. okay. Gonna, cool. Giving this to Ed, and I'll pause. I'll I, I'll ask Ed to pause for a second to give the listener a chance to you know maybe think of an answer, and yep. and then I'll uh, let Ed answer. Okay. Okay. So Ed, here's your classic era question. <laughs> I already know the answer. <laughs> What loudmouth managed the Honky Tonk Man during his reign as Intercontinental Champion? That would be the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Okay, well, we are not going to give him a point because he did not pause to allow the listener <laughs> oh, shut to up. Will you think stop? of the answer. So... Uh, let's yeah. see. We'll do this as we'll, a friendly trivia, so we can just kind of be like, "Oh, let me know." Let then we can debate the answer. You, you guys wouldn't have known be, that one. Okay, you wouldn't have known that one, Chris. No, I 100% figured once I heard loudmouth because he was wearing a Bobby the Brain Heenan shirt. I thought that's where you were going. Oh uh, <laughs> no, no. Okay, here. Let's see if you guys know this one, because um, this is right around the time I first started watching. What city? 
became the first to host consecutive WrestleMania events when it was the host of WrestleMania 4 and WrestleMania 5. Go ahead, Chris. I was about to say, is that Vegas? It was Trump. It was Trump Towers. I know it was Trump. Is that it, New York? Then? It, it, it's it's affiliated New York. with Trump. You are right. It is affiliated with Trump. It was. It was, Trump, were... it was Trump Plaza. Atlantic City. Atlantic, Atlantic City. City. That is correct, Trump, Chris. Atlantic City. All right. Did you know that already, Ed? Were you just giving that to me? Oh yeah, I knew that one. He's lying. Okay. I did. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Aliens. Actually, you listen, know what? Guys, they... Listen, guys. I have two things that I'm good at. Running teams and knowing useless information. So trivia around wrestling is kind of my thing. Oh, this is a good one. Okay, now we're in the attitude era. Okay. So I'm really curious to see if, uh, I mean, obviously I was friends with Chris during this time period, so I'm kind of curious if Chris will pick this up. But either one of you can guess your answer. All right. So what former MMA competitor did Steve Blackman face in a lion's den weapons match at SummerSlam 1999. So I'm going to repeat. What former MMA competitor did Steve Blackman face in a Lions Den weapons match at SummerSlam 1999? I'm going to start with Chris. Got a guess? My guess would be Dan Severn. Dan Severn. Ed, do you have a guess? I'm going to say I think it was Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock is correct. No. Ah. Yes. <laughs> I thought yes. Was, oh, 99. Yeah, Dan Severin, I think, was already gone, wouldn't he? Okay. Dan Severin's run was very brief. But he had yes. an amazing theme song. Yes. All right. Uh, let's try this one from the Attitude Era. What NFL team did former world heavyweight champion Goldberg play for at one time? I know this one. I do too. Go ahead. Okay, Chris. so we'll start with Chris. Who do you think it is? Atlanta Falcons. Ed, I'm also going to say the Atlanta Falcons. And you both are correct. Good job. You both get each yeah. one imaginary point. Yeah. Wait, what about uh, a real point? I don't like imaginary <laughs> things. Yeah. Okay. Now, now I'm going to throw you a hard one from the Attitude Era. This one would be one. Oh, like, no, it. actually, you know what? This may not be as hard now. They give a clue. All right. What? <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm going to keep the clue out. To, okay, to cool. make this hard. Okay. What tag team unified the WWE and WCW World Tag Team Championships at SummerSlam 2001? Ooh. Who unified them? Oh, what tag man. team? I kept out a clue purposely because I think you would have been able to guess it. But it doesn't say which one, if it was WCW or WWE, right? Or is that what the clue says? It it doesn't say whether it was a WCW team okay. or a WWE team. Um, I'll even help you out. It's a WWE team. Okay. That... That's, see, I thought it was uh, – I had in my head that – what were their names? O'Hare, Sean O'Hare, and – Yeah. No. No. I in really fact, world's greatest okay. tag team. I'm going to go. I'm going to give you the clue. We might now. need the clue. So what brother tag team unified the WWE and WCW world tag team championships at SummerSlam 2001? Huh. Hardy boys. 
You're going to say Hardy Boys? I'm going to actually say the Brothers of Destruction. Ed, you are correct. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, brothers. So you need to do the air quotes. They they didn't put it in quotations, so I'm I'm sorry. Okay, so See, I need so to now, watch, start watching the SummerSlams again. Now I'm going to pull one card from what they consider the modern era, and then we will be concluded with our trivia for this week. Ooh. Now, keep in mind, listeners, this game was made in 2013. So when you think of modern era, you're going to have to think right around that time period. And a, a little bit before. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I'm going to start with this one. Who paired with Kofi Kingston to create the high-flying Air Boom tag team. Evan Bourne. Okay, you got it. You got it, Chris. Evan Bourne. You that have that was... I agree that the answer is Evan <laughs> Airborne. Okay, Evan Airborne is not the correct answer. It's Evan Bourne, but once again... I will move on. Also part of the atrocious tag team of Air Boom, which sounded (laughs) like fart in the wind. (laughs) Okay. Here's another one I think you guys will get. Okay. What two superstars faced each other in the once in a lifetime main event of WrestleMania? I don't even know why I'm giving this away. 28. Once in a lifetime. I believe that was the tagline for Cena versus The Rock. That is correct. Yeah, because then they, you know, gave it to us twice in a lifetime. I know, right? Because once isn't enough. All right, final question. Did you guys see that on the WWE just did put out a list of the top 10 matches of 2020? And the greatest wrestling match ever was number two. (laughs) (laughs) The greatest wrestling match ever was number two was number one oh the greatest match of all time and Got what it. was it behind boneyard match was number one but the uh, greatest wrestling be. match ever it, i mean it was a better match obviously but it's just so yeah. funny when you look at a list and it's it said orton and edge in the greatest wrestling match ever number two number <laughs> two like, well Okay. Okay. Sorry. This is the final question for this week, and this is one that I do not think either one of you get. I would not even get. Uh, What tag or what team won a lumberjack match to unify the World Tag Team Championships and WWE Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania 25? Ooh. I am going to give a, a funny hint. I want to go grab the DVD just so I can go look at the I, I think I actually going have give, that one. I, I'm going to give too. you a, a funny hint. Uh, Chris, this is going to go back to our... I, I, I want to say you portrayed this character one time in backyard, in our backyard wrestling stuff. But I think it was our later years, though. Not our early years. So one of the people is someone that I think you portrayed. I just don't know if you portrayed him often, though. Oh, man. Carlito? That is one. I did. He was in a tag team? Yeah. And who was his partner? Was it, was it the Cologne? Like Car- Primo or Epico? It was Primo. Or? 
Is it Primo? Carlito and Primo are uh, a tag team. Uh, I would unified. not have gotten that, so good job, Chris. I didn't even know they were a tag team if I wouldn't have had Corey's backyard wrestling clue. I was going to say, Ed, to be fair, I, I kind of had to give him a clue to help him out. But So uh, that is uh, trivia for this week. And like I said, I think I will be doing that format. I liked that. I really liked that. That was the theme song for the trivia. Chris will just put things. Make sure you put in a theme song, you know. I just did it. That was it. No, That's no. Theme like, song. Aren't you satisfied it. with it, you schmuck? <laughs> Corey's trivia. Corey's trivia right. party. Wrestling trivia, core star. I'm just gonna record all right, wrap me. This up. Yeah, all right, all right. I'm getting too. God's sake, you want to get out of the lives? Oh yes, yes. Well, that is gonna wrap up the only episode 73 of One Two Three. Yes, wrestling. There will ever be. Hope you guys enjoyed kind of our new format. We will start taking some stuff that happened on Raw. We will just kind of put together the best couple topics that came out of the week of wrestling or even just the conversation we want to talk about based on something that we watched on the network or wherever. We want to kind of be loosey-goosey with it and just kind of flow with whatever we want to talk about for wrestling. And if there's anything you want to talk about, shoot us an email at 123yeswrestling at gmail.com. We will uh, be back next week for the only episode 74, and we will try to, once we come up with some topics, we will post that in the Facebook page, so make sure you're going over there and liking and subscribing that uh, page so you can see what the next week's show will be about. Um, We are always looking for subscribers. Make sure you like, subscribe, and follow, and rate and review us. How many stars are you looking for, guys? Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars, three times. Find your three favorite and give us five stars. Drop us a review. We'll give you a shout out here on the show. Outside of that, ladies and gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. When we get together. Take it easy, guys. See ya.